Hey everyone, welcome to the latest Screen Section podcast episode. I'm the host, Adam Miller. Today we continue our Fairway Regrassing series. Brian Whitlark, who's an agronomist in the West Region, joins me to talk with David Bermudez, who's the director of agronomy at Del Rio Country Club in Modesto, California. And we talked to David really all about his experience converting the 27-hole facility, converting the fairways there from sort of a mixture of cool season and common Bermuda to hybrid Bermuda grass and really touched on the different ways that they uh, they went about that process. It was a really cool episode. Uh, enjoyed talking with David. So here is the conversation. David, thanks so much for joining us today, uh, especially given the circumstances. Sounds like you guys have dealt with a fair amount of pretty intense uh, rain and wind storms uh, over the past couple weeks and, and one's going on right now. So uh, hopefully internet holds up and uh, and we get this recording. So let's really dive into the, the regrassing project at, uh, at your course. You know, doing some research, you know, I was, I was really interested to get your take and hear a little bit about what you guys had in terms of the, the key motivating factors um, at your club to convert the fairways to hybrid Bermuda. Talk to us a little bit about that. The golf course was really built in 1946. We had the typical valley mixture of Polo, Ryan, Bermuda on the fairways, along with some thatch buildup. The decision was made before I got here was to convert the fairways to common Bermuda. So they went ahead and drill seeded and killed the competition and did a whole bunch of projects. With our high maintenance that we do on the golf course, top dressing, aeration, you name it, at the end of the day, it's still common Bermuda. About five years ago, prior to construction of remodeling each nine, uh, we went ahead and did a test hole where we stripped the sod and then we reworked the soil, fumigated it, and then put uh, sodded it with tip weight two. To show the membership what a hybrid fairway looks like and how it plays, and we wanted to make sure that the plant matured over so many years so that they can really like what they see out there. How we got to the turf conversion was just part of a big project and that we just finished paying off our, our clubhouse where every member was paying $60 a month dues towards the clubhouse. We were not gonna, the club was not gonna give them back their $60 a month. So in return, plus we had a couple of million dollars in the bank for capital improvements. We did a 13,000 square foot expansion on the clubhouse, we built we added a 10,000 square foot building to our maintenance facility, and we slated several million dollars to the golf course in one big package, which is much easier than asking for money later on. Uh, there were some members who questioned whether we needed to do the fairways or not. Others were very happy about us doing it. Well, it really sounds like you had a ton of, of different projects sort of going on, lots of balls in the air. So especially with 27 holes, can you talk to us a little bit about what the planning looked like for, for a project like this? Having three nines definitely helps. We're laying out the project. So on the original 18 holes, one, nine holes per year, we're gonna kill the fairways, pulverize them, do all this work, and actually only be closed for six weeks, three weeks for construction and three weeks for growing but not allow the golf cart to drive on it. And on our third nine, which is newer, built in 96, it didn't have the thatch levels in there, that we were gonna go in and 
uh, overplant those fairways, which is a completely different method. And on that nine, we're planning on closing for eight weeks. However, the project grew. I was on that third nine, we had 10 cross greens down there that were built in 96 with some POA. On the 18 hole course, we had A1A4 turf with almost no pole in them at all. So I asked the greens committee if they wanted to do anything to the greens down there while we had the course closed. They said, give them a menu. So I gave them a menu of killing the greens, reworking them, fumigating them, stripping them, and seeding them. And the same thing is for do the whole work and sod or hit them with a bunch of velocity to get rid of the POA or D, do nothing. And to my surprise, they said, rework the greens. That was a whole different ball game now. Instead of us starting in April and planning in May, killing the turf in April and stuff, we started the project in the middle of March, and uh, which gave me more growing season since we did not open the course up until uh, the last week in August. But just planning it all out, like I said, the project grew. It just, we looked at the, then once we did all that, and the members loved the greens. So looking forward to the following year, where we're just supposed to close for six weeks at a time, nine holes one year and nine holes the next. During the winter time, the board of directors came in and said, make no mistake about this. The greens on that third nine, we want them on the 18 hole course. So that changed our whole philosophy on how we're mo moving forward on this project. Uh, there was a lot of eyes on me when we were doing the first nine. Skepticism, the whole works. And at the end, when we finally opened up, the members were so happy that they, doing the other two courses, they were just coming out and saying, hey, Dave, it's looking great. When are we going to open? We look like we can open now, so on and so forth. But uh, it ended up being a pleasure working and having the membership after the first year come on out and pay us compliments. David, that first year, was that that lower nine then? Was that the first nine that you did? Or was Correct. It Okay. That was the that was the third nine along the river, our river course, and we oversprigged those. We did not work the soil. We right. did not do everything. With twenty seven holes, you kept the upper eighteen open, while those the lower nine was closed for that period of time. Right from the middle of March until the end of August. Luckily for us, we don't have a lot of pressure on play. Yeah, it's a nice nice to be flexible with that grow in season there. How long from sprigs to sprigging to where you felt like you could play golf? Well, it all depends what nine it. The, the lower nine, that first nine. On the oversprigging, it was difficult. We have such a short growing season up here, being in the transitional zone, that we went ahead and did the work. We did the kill through the month of April, which where we went ahead and eliminated the competition where other courses, they went ahead and just set back their common or whatever turfs they had. Right. We eliminated it. And then we came in and we did the three applications, which I'll get into later, of uh, the herbicides. Mark Logan came in uh, with Green Links and he went ahead and brought his machine in and they cut sprigs on six inch centers and moved hybrid Bermuda, shredded it and put it in the, in the slit holes, almost like drill seeding. But it was, it was tough down there because for the first three weeks or so, I'm like, where's the turf? It's not poking its head up. Where is it? And then eventually Mark says, don't worry, it'll come up. And it did come up, but it's a lot to ask that plant to go three inches in each direction to, to, to get solid. 
But however, by the end of the growing season, we had probably 98% turf coverage on them. We had some spots no bigger than one or two feet that we elected not to sod, just let them grow in the following year so we don't have a pattern out on the golf course. But it's the least expensive way of doing it. So the upper 18, did you do all those? Or was it nine and nine or was it all, all, all 18 from for the upper golf course? On the upper golf course, we're supposed to do nine holes per year, three weeks of construction of turning the soil over, reworking it all, and three weeks of growing if we sodded every square inch. Yeah, okay. And between the 18 hole course, we're talking close to 1.3 million square feet. The decision changed when the board of directors came back and said, we want those greens up here on the 18 hole course. So two things happened. One, at that time, the general manager came back to me and says, now I got to find approximately $3,200 a green times 20 greens to re-turf. Also, the sod went up five cents a square foot. And when you're talking that much money, that many square foot, square feet, it's, it's quite a big uh, expense. So then I came back and I talked to Greg Dunn of West Coast Turf. I said, Greg, there's got to be a different way. We're closed for all this time because we're now doing the greens, could we sprig? He says, absolutely, Dave. I would love to sell you the sod, but there's no reason to sell you the sod. He goes, by the end, when you open up, if you're not perfect, I'll be surprised. If you're not, you still have another six weeks of growing time. So I asked Greg to come talk to the greens committee and he ensured them. During that meeting, the general manager spoke. Well, Greg spoke, we excused him. And then the general manager, Duncan Reno, he spoke to some board members that were there along with the Greens Committee and says, look, I'm not interested in taking your money away, but I'm not interested in finding you more money, especially after all the money that we've already spent on the entire property. So we decided to go ahead and sprig the fairway since we had time for the growing of the Greens and use the additional funding to do other things on the golf course where we returned the tees, collars, approaches, we worked the bunkers, tree work, everything else, because we had all this money slated for sod that we're no longer sodding. We're, that we're, right. you know, it's probably 50% of the cost to sprig these fairways versus sodding them. Okay. So what, when did you first sprig and when did you last sprig? What was that time frame like? I guess it'd be 2021. We already worked the greens on the first, on the first nine. During the month of April, we laid out three herbicide applications of cocktails to kill our common Bermuda fairways, which Bermuda is very difficult to kill. Uh, our first one was Turflon Ester, Fusilade, Roundup, and Ammonium Sulfate. T two weeks later, we did it with Roundup, Turflon Ester, and Ammonium Sulfate. We dropped the Fusilade because on the label it says do not apply within 30 days of planning. And then about the week before construction started, we went ahead and just with Roundup and ammonium sulfate, we had a really good kill on the plant. Our contractor came in and we assist them on uh, a lot of the project too. We cut the sod out around each sprinkler. We made two sod cut passes and then we brought in an asphalt pulverizer. With an asphalt pulverizer, it looks distinct the size of a tank. It has a large drum. On the drum, there's chains that are connected to the drum. 
and the, those chains as, as they're spinning is what breaks the asphalt. Well, we use those in the fairway, and as we're going across the fairway, you set your depth, which we went about seven to eight inches. We did not want to hit any irrigation lines, and uh, it was remarkable. It turns so, so, the soil into powder, and we did approximately about five acres a day, and so uh, it was. It went really well. That's pretty good. Yeah. The contractor came back in and he regraded the, con the, the fairways. He brought in a compactor to go to run over the soil and, and then eventually a roller and finish shaper. And it came out pretty darn good. There are our seedbed preparation. When you look at the picture of it, it just looks like just like freshly laid sand out here as the golf course is built on sandy loam soil. There was thatch out there because we're dealing with Bermuda versus other courses that are dealing with pole or rye or whatever stuff won't be as much thatch in there. So they used a York rake to pull that to the side of the fairways and we went ahead and picked it up. And then West Coast came in and sprigged the fairways for us. But however, prior to them coming in, we did a couple of things different, which was unusual for a sprig job. The first thing is we went ahead and applied lexicon fungicide to the sod that they were going to sprig. And the reason we did it, we did it one month ahead of time and one week ahead of time. And that's just to help the sprigs from going into shock during planting. The second thing we did is their normal rate of sprigs per acre is about 250 to 300 bushels per acre. I asked them, has anybody ever done more than that? And he says, yes, there was a course in Southern California that went 500 bushels an acre. We said, we want that. So when they were out here sprigging, we actually had vegetation every square inch on these fairways. The third thing that we did that was unusual, they sprigged, they immediately rolled. We immediately applied organic top dress in one eighth inch or finer to them uh, out of our big top dresser. It just fanned out just like sand did. And, uh, it was unbelievable. They talked about the plant dying out there, parts of the sprigs, this and that. We had very little. The growing was unbelievable. Within four weeks, it looked like we sodded the fairways. Six weeks, it was solid. And then uh, you could actually play on it if we had to open the golf course up, but we didn't because because we were waiting on the greens. But that uh, keeping the carts off it, you could have played on it. Hey, David, I, two questions around both Lexicon and then the sprig rate. Did you guys do any test plots to see uh, the sprigs, Lexicon, you know, the, the app on the sprigs versus not? Um, I've seen some images of some research that, that was done on it, and it was, it was pretty, pretty striking when the, the Lexicon wasn't applied on some of those sprigs, how much more of that shock they went into. So did you do anything like that, or you just you knew it was going to be the – the, the better way to go. We did not have time because remember originally we were supposed to sod all the fairways. Yeah. And so we did not do any testings on them. Uh, we did do tests on different hybrid Bermudas through the years prior to uh, redoing all these fairways. And Santa Ana for us was the best choice of all. Yeah. So what, like, let's let's go there for a sec. What were the other varieties you tested? Okay. We got 500 square feet of sod and we put them in some of our shade areas on an east and west fairway 
And so we did them, we put them in alphabetical order. It was like Bandera, Tifway, Two, Santa Ana, Tiff Sport. And we just put them all, like I said, in alphabetical order so we can always know which one's which. And uh, it was very clear that Santa Ana, for us, outperformed the other turfs. They went into dormancy later, came out earlier. It's a little, and when I say for us, I mean, our members like a little bit of turf under their golf ball versus if you really wanted to find turf for like a PGA Tour such as for TIFF Sport, uh, that would be fine for you. But for us, Santa Ana was just outperformed it all. And then the the sprig rate, you it, it sounds like you went at like double um, sort of the, the, the normal, so to speak, sprig rate. Did you guys, was that really just because of the speed or did you have any research on that that you guys did in-house or just talked to some colleagues? Like what was the motivation to go that such high rate? I was talking to, with Greg Dunn at West Coast Turf. He said there was a course that did it. And if we have an opportunity to get more plants out there, we did. And it wasn't much more money. It was only like 1.6 cents a square foot more. It was, it was just insurance on the project. Gotcha. Makes sense. It wasn't like as if we're going to get a bunch of juvenile plants out there since we were sprigging. It, uh, it, it was money well spent. Dave, that first fairway you said was Tiffway 2. Did you redo that then to Santa Ana? Uh, no, because we, we, the reason we didn't was so that we can keep that funding available to do other projects on the golf course. But I, I can tell the difference, but some of our membership cannot. So with sprigging, it sounds like that organic product was really beneficial to give you some water retention. But regarding any sprig project, there's always some weeds that that come up during that process. Did you do any pre-emergence herbicides prior to sprigging? Absolutely no pre-emergent. None, yeah. But however, once we had solid turf out there, then we came in with post-emergent herbicides at light rates and you do get a lot of weeds out there but they were pretty easy to take out since they're still juvenile and i do not recommend putting a pre-emergent out but then on the other hand i've never tested it but nor would i want to i know some courses have done uh ron star and had some success with that what what sort of i mean was it uh, broadleaf weeds or did you get some grassy weeds as well dave or no most of it was just chickweed out there broadleaf okay yeah very easy to kill yeah speed zone Hey, David, I wonder if you could touch on a little bit what the water management program looked like for the sprigs during the grow-in. I mean, that's that's a tough one with your climate, knowing you're not going to get a ton of rain. Um, you know, just irrigation frequency during those first few weeks of trying to just make sure those sprigs didn't dry out. What did that look like? Oh, we had uh, sprinklers set up about on two-hour increments throughout the day for six minutes. And then as the soil got wet, then we toned them back to four minutes and three minutes and then eventually the frequency, but that we wanted to make sure that that plant does not dry out. If it dries out, it's done. And also the organic on top also helped hold moisture. We kept it wet, but we did not keep it where we have standing water on it, but we never let it dry out. And like I said, as the plant continued to root, we backed off on it, but we're, we're fortunate. We don't have any players out, out on the golf course. Anybody walking dogs or doing anything out there that can hurt our the project. The biggest thing I have is trying to keep my employees off of it. 
<laughs> you think that sounds simple, but it's not all that simple. You know? Yeah. And then we we're able to mold after a while. The first mowing is really good. We went in with the triplex and mowed them once it started growing in, and then eventually, and then we we're and then eventually we we're able to get our big fairway mowers on it. We we're able to get our sand top dressing. We did three or four sand top dressings along the way also. What height to cut? Do you manage them at throughout most of the year, David? And in, in line with that, do you raise the height of cut for the winter months? During the growing, we got we let them grow out the half inch, and then once uh, we felt that was comfortable, we started bringing them down. Our mowing height is uh, four four thousand four hundred four hundred yeah. of a thousand out there, so it's below half inch. That's plenty tight. Our members, like I said, like a little uh, grass under their ball. Four tenths of an inch is ideal for us. In the winter time, we raise them up starting at, towards the beginning of October, we raise them up to 500s, which is half inch. But then uh, they seem to shrivel up a little bit. Right now they're playing like they're like 350 out there. I mean, the members love it and they hate it. They love the 50 yards of roll that they're getting right now when it's not raining. But however, it's ideal for hitting a two iron or a hybrid or something off of, but it's difficult for the majority of our members to hit like a 60 yard wedge shot. Yeah. Two iron? What's that? (laughs) (laughs) David, I've never never been to the course, obviously. Uh, Looking on Google Earth, looks like you got still, uh, you know, tree line fairways on, uh, on most of the holes. So, you know, any shade conditions that, you know, you're a little bit mindful of or, or thinking you maybe have to be uh, be proactive to make sure that the Bermuda grass, you know, performs well long-term? Or you guys, did you already sort of take care of some of those tree issues? Well, I've been here 14 years and we identified shade issues out here. And through the years, uh, we went ahead and resolved a lot of them. Uh, on our 18-0 course, most of the golf holes go east and west and we're heavily treed. We had 1,300 redwoods out here, 220 oaks, and then a bunch of cedars and everything else. On our east and west fairways that are, what are pretty tight, uh, where the redwoods could be three or four deep from one fairway to the next fairway, it made no sense for us to go in there and cut one row of, uh, say, the right side of number four. Uh, just cut one row out because there's another tree right behind it. So what we did is we went ahead and we created avenues through the trees. So what does that mean? We cut holes in the tree line so that when the sun comes up in the winter time, it's hitting, it's hitting a certain angle through the hole. And then as it continues throughout the day from east to west, and we're, we're providing more and more sunlight out there as compared to just going there and butchering trees up. And it did not affect the playability of the golf course. It provided us with more sunlight I've been here, like I say, 14 years. We probably removed 600 trees out here, and nobody even knows it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and to, to your point, too, around like a whole tree line, from a playability perspective, the key trees are the ones in the landing zones. And I did some, some in an article about 10 years ago now talking about sort of how trees impact the course rating and slope rating. And it's really just those trees that are in that primary landing zone that those are the ones that that influence those numbers too so creating sort of some pockets some channels like you described you know gives you the chance to get more sunlight eliminate some root competition and and still have sort of that same you know look and feel that the trees presented yes on the redwoods 
you really can't prune red uh, redwoods because they're just a it's like a duck there's another branch right underneath it but when you get to the oak trees and everything and uh cedars and some of these other trees out here we went ahead and opened them up pretty good and if there was this particular area that was giving us shade issues because we had a lot of practice going in the hybrid working with the common bermuda that we'd get a little heavy with the chainsaw on a few of these areas either with pruning or removal a lot of that stuff would happen on a monday when there's no members around they seldom ever noticed looking at sort of the the comparison from your old fairways to your new fairways do you have sort of any financial numbers on sort of the the cost savings or the water reduction that you've realized going from uh, the old to the new we're very fortunate here we own our own wells we back our river course backs up against stanislaw river and so we have our own wells and they're not metered we don't pay a lot of attention to the cost of water since we're not paying for water. However, we did notice on our irrigation programs, we used to water uh, 15 to 18 minutes to Cumbria Bermuda because during the summertime, July, August, and half of September, it's 90 to 95 every day. And we average over 20 days, over 100 degrees. So then now we've, we've been noticing our irrigation in the summertime. We're going mostly from 12 to 15 minutes. And we push the limits sometimes during the summertime where we'll start seeing a little off color, but we don't get any donuts or anything like that out there. So we try to maintain them at a certain level. Tournament play, we'll firm them up, dry them out a little bit. Uh, every day they're getting enough water, but not overwatered. But there definitely is a savings, especially for somebody who has to buy water. Dave, I'm real curious. You kind of have your own demonstration trial because you treated the soil differently between the River 9 and the Upper 18. And then you also planted the Bermuda grass differently as well. So I guess two parts of this question. Part one is now reflecting back, looking at the way you treated the soil with the uh, asphalt grinder on the, on the Upper 18. What are the benefits of doing that versus the way you planted the, uh, or the way you treated the soil on the on the River Nine? Was it was it worth it to do the asphalt grinder? Absolutely. We had we, our soil is like 75 years old, hasn't seen daylight in so long. Though the thatch buildup, you take a a shovel out there, dig it up. You can see all these aeration holes, sand top dressing uh, that we've been doing through the years. Like the top three inches had a lot of sand on them, but it was a one-time opportunity to spend the extra money to rework the fairways in our lifetime. I wish we would have done that on the third nine. And then also on that third nine, because it took so long for the Bermuda to come in, that some of the common did come back. But however, each year we have less and less percentage of common down there as the hybrids choking it out. On the 18-hole course, there is no common to Bermuda. That's just all hybrid. So the spray out and the higher sprig rate on the upper 18, you're saying, has worked really well to combat common from returning, whereas on the lower nine, where you did the overplant process, percentage, whatever percentage of the common is coming back, is that accurate? Yes. And for us to go in and fumigate, it's just not cost efficient. We own some AG. We use that on the greens, tees, and collars, and it was quite expensive. Right. So you made three apps on the top 18, and how many apps were made on the River 9 before you overplanted? These, the same amount of apps, 
Okay. But I just think that on the river course, the third nine, it took that long for the plant to fill in the whole season. And versus up up on the 18-hole course, within six weeks, it looked like we sodded the fairways. They didn't have a, a, a chance to come in to come me to make its way back. So what do you think was the biggest difference then, David, in the, in the success of the grow-in between the two courses? The success on the 18-hole course was our seedbed preparation and that we worked the soil, we cleaned up the thatch out there. It looked just like freshly laid sand out there when we did it. It was a perfect seedbed. On the river course, the soils are a little bit heavier down there because they're along the river. It just took too long to fill in. But for, at that time, the club did not want to spend the money on the third nine as it cost half of what it cost for us to sprig the 18-hole course and rework the soils. The sprig cost half of what the saw project cost if we would have sawed it all. So do the members recognize any difference between the upper 18 and the lower, the lower nine? The only difference they notice is there seems to be more grass on the river nine because we never removed any thatch down there as compared to the 18 hole course, which is just tight as ever, the turf, even though they're all mowed at the same height. And when you say more grass, like a little more cushion under underfoot under the ball? Yes, a little bit more cushion underneath and just a little bit bigger grass blades than up here. I mean, on the 18-hole course, those pl even though they are only mowed all summer long at 400, they were tight. And down on below, you felt like you had a little cu more cushion underneath. So the lower handicappers may prefer the upper course, maybe a little tighter, a little more roll, but the sweepers may prefer the... The lower nine, a little more, yeah, a little more cushion underneath. Correct. I've had other superintendents talk to me about converting to Bermuda, and I say, don't do what Del Rio did. Well, they went from a hodgepodge of different turf to common Bermuda, and then go straight to hybrid 10 years later. If you're interested in converting to Bermuda, go straight to hybrid. If you cannot afford to rework the soils and sprig or sod, then, then I would recommend to go ahead and uh, overplant the fairways and let, such as some of the neighboring courses did here and let it eventually fill in. It's, it's one year, one growing season, it'll be a pain in the tail, but the one season does go by. So the, the overplanting is something that some of the listeners may not be all that familiar with. Can you describe a little bit, Dave, the difference between sprigging and overplanting? On the over overplanting, other than killing the competition of the existing turfs are setting it back you run the equipment through there it's like i said it's like a big drill seeder but it, what it does it's it cuts slits in the soil at uh six inch centers shreds the hybrid and places it in the slits shreds the sod right it's, yeah they shreds the sod and puts it in the slits just like it would be if it was seed right and then uh, takes about three weeks for the for that plant to get rooted and have enough energy uh, for the leaves start to show up, and then you continue continuously feed it until uh, it does fill in. Preferably, you keep the car traffic off it, and then uh, and you got to be patient with it, and you will get some weeds. Kind of deal with them as you go at a certain point. Uh, more on the second half of the growing. People got to understand who who do's that method 
do not think that you're going to have solid turf in, a, in several months because you're not. We'd started in May and at the end of the growing season, which is about first week in October, second week in October, we were 98% coverage. It's pretty good. And you were closed during that time. And we were closed until the end of, uh, until the end of August. But other courses have done it and not be closed. They were only closing the holes as they go. Right. And that, but, and that's, but keep the car traffic off it, but it's much more difficult for the growing. They had a little less success uh, of doing that. Also too, which I didn't think of at that time was that I would have went back if I did it again and applied organic matter immediately afterwards to help the plant along. Right. Yeah, give it some more moisture retention at the surface. Do you recall, Dave, the cost difference between overplanting and sprigging? It was approximately with fertilizer and spray and everything else on them. We we're spending about 25 to 30 cents a square foot. For the sprigging and all the prep work, it was about 50 cents a square foot. And if we would have did the same prep work and saw it, it was a, a dollar five or so a square foot. Now, I did talk to Mark Logan earlier today, and he said it's about $5,500 a square foot. I mean, uh, per acre to go ahead now with a newer cost of going in and do the sprig, uh, over sprig. But if you go start drill seeding common Bermuda, you're going to spend about the same amount of money as over sprigging. Yeah, I'm with you. Skip the common Bermuda grass step and just, <laughs> just go straight to hybrid. I've talked to a few other sod suppliers, you know, in Southern California, Southern Arizona. They also offer a similar sod to sprig process and uh they've shown faster grow in with that process than the typical sprigging uh, uh process um you're right dave you 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 definitely have to show some patience and be willing to to be closed if you really want to be successful yes and don't you're talking arizona you're talking southern California. we're in northern california which is the transitional zone so we don't get a lot of uh, the temperatures that they're getting. We get hot during the day, but we really cool off at night. And it does make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, really appreciate all the info, uh, Dave. It sounds like it's been uh, really a, a, an exciting past couple of years to go through this, to go really go through all of this this work, not, not to mention the, the additional work you did on the greens. So really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through what you guys did. It sounds like it's been uh, a huge success. Uh, it really has. Between the fairways and it also because we didn't saw it, it gave us an opportunity to rework the greens, the collars, approaches, uh, the tees, the uh, tree pruning. You know, we had three years of big construction. I was happy when it's done. So what do we do the following year? <laughs> we do the driving range. <laughs> it end. never ends it never ends but it's all right it's a good problem to have yeah it's, it's nice to be busy right yes yeah i really transformed that that golf course you know and it, it was nice to, to do all that additional work so everything everything kind of works seamlessly uh together when i was out there last uh, summer yeah you know, i was just impressed with how the golf course flowed you know it didn't look choppy from the from different construction projects really really look nice what well, made my life so much easier from hand picking pole out of the greens to <laughs> i mean you know, working with these different fairways 
the last three months as the members get their dues notice they get it electronically and there's always a comment area uh, area and the only two complaints i've had in the last three months on the golf course was one that somebody left a cigar on the side of a collar and another one was that there was a coyote running around and what are we going to do about it we're <laughs> talking about that they're very happy with the golf course and we went from trying to sell memberships and now we are sold out and a wait in line to get in it's a fun spot to be in oh that's awesome good for you thanks so much dave it's been uh, been awesome chatting to you uh you know hear about hear about what you got going on there so thanks a lot you're quite welcome my pleasure thanks dave Thanks for listening to the USGA Green Section podcast. Be sure to subscribe, listen, and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also keep up with the latest content on Twitter and by subscribing to the Green Section Record, our digital publication that's published twice a month.